Bet365 sponsors our podcast and features over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you'll ever need to bet on sport. The Bet365 app lets you access pre-match and in-play markets and provides instant match updates. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Welcome to On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. My name is Michael Bailey. Hello there. Uh, I am The Athletic's Norwich City correspondent. And every week I will host this Canaries chat with familiar names and Canaries characters. For you this week, Nil Castle United, Tets at home, another spot from the Hodge and surveying the slamming of the window. Leading us through it all, we have Norwich City Twitter stats guru, NCFC numbers, Steve Sanders. Hello, Michael. And former Carrow Road press officer turned digital business maestro, Ben Mouncer. A character and a maestro. Hey, Michael. How you doing? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, just before we get going properly, I should remind you to subscribe to The Athletic, to read great articles and to access this and all our podcasts ad-free. And by listening to this show, you can subscribe now with a 40% discount by heading to theathletic.com and using the code NORWICHPOD. Gentlemen, a very good evening to you. Uh, how are you? Great to see you both. Ben, it's been a little while. Yeah, it's been, I didn't expect there to be such a wait for me to be back on the podcast, but I'm very excited to be back here. I've been listening in to you guys and it's been enjoying it. fun being on the other side, but yeah, I'm glad to be back behind the mic. Great to have you back. Steve, how are you? I'm very well. Obviously, I've not had anywhere near like as no. long a break. Could I? Do you think I could get some sort of Klopp style winter break nope. at any point? We're going to no. run you into the ground <laughs> <Yeah>. until summer <laughs> if, arrives. If Klopp's allowed a, a week off uh, from managing a team, I can get a week off from the pod, right? Fairly so. ridiculous, that is it? <laughs> but no, you're too important. Don't leave me on my own, please, Steve. Um, right, well, let's uh, mosey on down straight away, shall we? Uh, it was a must win game before kickoff. Uh, Norwich drew it. And now I find myself clutching uh, to the same straws. Uh, it was a goalless draw at Newcastle, contained plenty of opportunities for Norwich to have gone and won it, but they didn't. Ben, why not? Well, you know, if, if you think about our recent trips to St. James's Park have been characterised by us, us not being able to keep Newcastle out. This one was characterised by us not being able to <laughs> get past them. And it was just another, wasn't it? Another one of those incredibly frustrating games. I think even more frustrating in the f- sense that we had 19 shots and didn't score, which is only the second time that's happened to any team in the Premier League era, which is incredible. <laughs> Any, um, any Premier League team. Nice. That's, any, any any that's amazing. Well, yeah. Did not you impressed that. with that stat, Steve? I am, yeah. yeah. Damn it, why didn't I get that one? <laughs> no, I think, you know, what can you say? I mean, it's it's really hard to actually analyse this and, you know, point any criticism at anybody apart from the criticism of not taking your chances and of which there were quite a few in this match. <laughs> there were there were some good. Well, was there one that particularly stood out for you? Because, I mean, a couple, when you look at, back at them, I do wonder how many of them, certainly in terms of the ones that fell to Tame and Pukki, how many of those were, there were probably two that were really good. Yeah, um, there was one that didn't make it onto match that actually in the first half where he got away. And it, was it Fernandez who did yes. a really good kind of block on him where you just think maybe a few months ago he might have kind of pulled away from him and got a shot off. Um, I suppose it was that one in the second half, wasn't it really? Um, where again, you look back to last season when Pukki was putting those away, maybe kind of telegraphed it a bit. It's one of those where you look at it and think, well, actually, maybe you should have gone high into the keeper's right. But in the moment, you can see why he did what he did. And then the rebound coming out to Duda. And again, you look at it slowed down. You think, could you have picked a pass out? 
elected to shoot. I don't for, know. For a man who was brought in to solve our yeah. lack of goals from a number 10 <laughs> that position. That's exactly what went through my head. Not, and it was, and a, yeah, it was a great was, shot. Yeah, chance. it was a great chance, that one. And obviously Kenny McLean's free header as well early in the second half. So, yeah, there wasn't a shortage of clear-cut chances. And Sam, Sam Byram headed a couple of I think he went headed one corner straight at Dubravka and the other one he headed down which then bounced over the bar which is always my favorite kind of header from a corner uh, pulling that one off I mean th- this is probably the issue isn't it with with Temu because a lot of the chances missed like that one-on-one they have been telegraphed because he does like to go across the goalkeeper and he is pretty strongly right-footed mm. um and you would say to most strikers, or they will probably believe, keep doing what you know, keep doing what works, because that's what will get you out of any sort of rut. But it feels like he needs to stop doing well, that finish, because uh, yeah. all the goalkeepers are going down before he's hit it. I was going to raise that point. I think he does need to be a bit more dynamic in his finishing, like come up with a, a different way of trying to get the ball past the goalkeeper. Because we've seen Aaron Ramsdale for Bournemouth, like two sort of, pooky clean through opportunities against Bournemouth and then Newcastle where it's been a very similar sort of finish yeah I mean it seems like he's almost a bit too composed Timu he sort of takes a bit too much time and then tries to be a bit too deft with his finish yeah I mean without sounding like to read out the the pundit's guidebook at least he's getting those chances yes, right that's it. so he's so the movement is still there and the it, it, I don't know whether it's a matter of belief or like you say goalkeeper second guessing it um, I did a quick bit of homework on this um, the last goal he scored from open play was Leicester well obviously robbed against Spurs as we know so pre Leicester he'd had 46 shots in 17 games 23 of those were on targets so obviously 50% and scored nine goals and then since then seven games 18 shots seven on target so below 50 and hasn't scored since then so something's uh, those are very kind of small sample sizes but something's not quite right I don't know is, do we think it's injury still well, I don't know if still, I think when he got his toe injury <laughs> yeah. it still does come back to mm. that for me yeah. just watch, watching him over the course of like a full match over the last couple of months I don't know to me he doesn't seem as sharp as he was agreed yeah, it's it's difficult, isn't it? I think he only made 17 passes in the entire game on Saturday, which is only two more than Emi Buendia, who played only 25 <laughs> minutes um, for a team that had most of the ball in that game. Obviously, it just shows that he's maybe not getting involved as much either. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it there, Steve. Obviously, the Leicester game, which was on December the 14th, mm. the last time he scored from open play, which was... Incidentally, two days after the general election, obviously. Um, <laughs> since then, Boris Johnson has hashtag got Brexit done. So um, and had Christmas as well in between. So you know, I think we, we if, just need to hashtag get safety done. Yeah, exactly. So, so. <laughs> this is even even less likely than uh, than uh, anyway. Well, let's not bring wow. politics into it. Right? Um, uh, but uh, in, I'm a Remainer, <laughs> that was a classic pooky goal, right? That Leicester one, yeah. the one that you almost think, God, we're lucky to have this guy. Um, and actually, I know we're obviously scratching our heads about Timo. I don't think anyone's putting the blame at his door. In terms of the reliance that we've got on him, he's been our only away goal scorer since the end of October in the league, I should say. And in the 13 away games that we've played this season, um, only Everton has anyone other than Pukki scored, Camel and Zabeni. Um Pukki's got seven of our last 11 away goals. So it just shows that when he's not firing... Well, we really don't have a lot. Yeah, the, the numbers here are extraordinary. I mean, no defender has scored in the Premier League this season for Norwich. Emi Buendia, 24 appearances, no goals. Marco Stephen, 17 appearances, no goals. Kenny McLean, 24 appearances, one goal. It goes on. It um, does go on. <laughs> Leitner, Tribal and Vrancic obviously been in and out of the team. One goal between them for 34 appearances. Hernandez and Teti, one goal each. And it's definitely that lack of support for Timmy mm. that's having a big issue. And at some point I'll go through... 
Timmy's chances and the ones he's taken because I think it, with the Leicester goal where he was played down the right channel and was able to fire across the goalkeeper, which is why the Fernandez tackle was so crucial mm. probably at Newcastle because that that's a finish he's probably been more prolific with this season compared to being played in the left and having to come sort of across his body on, onto his right. But and I think his best attempt against Newcastle was the one early on where it was an instinctive finish. Yeah, left foot as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a beautiful left foot yeah. and a really good save. So there we go. Well, I think that was depressing enough. Um, but <laughs> Just in defence of Pukki as well, I think it's important to understand the, the burden that he's been carrying on his shoulders now for the last 18 months, not just here at Norwich City, but also for Finland as they've been trying to qualify for their first international tournament. So clearly the guy has been carrying the goal-scoring responsibility on on a lot of fronts. 100%. And, and he's still... I, although he wasn't involved in the play, it's not like he's not working hard. One of those chances, his best yes, chance exactly. came from him exactly making that, that himself. He, he charged it down. What I will add is um, we're quite close to the dugout and the pitch um, in the press box at St. James's Park. And I've just watched Timu Pukki walk off the pitch and I've never seen someone shake their head so much in the space of about 20 yards. And his head was down and he was obviously giving his high fives and whatever to everyone. But I think all of those misses were playing on his mind as he came off the pitch. I'm sure he'd appreciate a bit of support. I had a look at Sheffield United, actually, um, just to try and look at another... Obviously, they came up with us last season and are doing a fair fair bit better. honestly thinking of banning them from this point. (laughs) But actually, um, no, like their, their top scorer has got five goals I mean it's joint John Fleck and Lee Smuse and John Fleck is a midfielder John Lundstrom has scored three goals from midfield both of their fullbacks have contributed goals they've just got I don't know more goals over the pitch it sounds obvious to say but obviously that's a big reason yeah. as to why they are opposition goalkeepers as well yeah all goals all over the pitch just <laughs> a very last stat on this because I don't you know we have had 12 players now that have had five or more shots this season in the Premier League and not scored a goal. So that's um, obviously I'm not going to go through all, them all, but we clearly are having players who are having efforts, but just not finding the net. And plenty of those have only got plenty more have only got one as well. So shall we just do a quick positive thing, actually, because it does feel like if, we've if been on a downside. Go for it, Steve. At least the defence is looking a lot more sure, right? I mean, we're not conceding as many goals. Um, I think Hanley's looked great since he's come back in bit of a selection dilemma as we spoke about last time for the Liverpool game because I would argue that Hanley was maybe our best player again on yeah again on Saturday Daniel Farker's gonna have sleepless nights again before that and like he did um, before Bournemouth <laughs> and then keep... big Ben Godfrey yeah <laughs> <laughs> who's back after suspension we'll I agree see. on Hanley though again he's one of our best players as was Tim Krul so the two former Newcastle players going back to St James's yeah. Park on Saturday yeah I think he was very my, good I think he was my man of the match and and you could argue it's a game Norwich would have lost uh, which I think uh, certainly while I was covering the game live on Twitter, a lot of people were expecting to happen <laughs> and it didn't. So there we go. Uh, OK, well, I'll tell you what, let's have a little break as we hear from the mix zone. Let's have a bit of Christoph Zimmerman. But first of all, returning Newcastle hero, hero even, Tim Crawl. In fairness, you didn't lose today. I mean, I'm thinking yeah. about some of the games. Yeah. And a few people were joking about the sucker punch, the, the way that everything was going. But mm. That didn't happen. No, at least. no, no, exactly. We're, we're growing and growing and growing that when the season got on. It's just so so hard to take because I think we've got so... Like, even the players, they just can't believe it. The, the Newcastle players are like, how are you guys bottom? All of them. And I've, listen, it is the truth. We're like... People obviously writing us off, but I, I still don't write us off for sure. We've still got the, the West Ham, Southampton, the Burnleys, you know, all these teams around us. Um, and we need to be one of the big boys. So let's start with Liverpool and uh, well, after the break. I suppose the problem is there's almost becoming this uh, reliance on Timu to get the goals. I mean, it's in bold, in fact, we're relying on him to take a chance, but no one else has really chipped in, especially away from home this season. 
yeah, it's, uh, it's absolutely right. Um, he's been he's been our, our main main goal scorer. There's no about, no no doubt about that. And um, it's uh, I think I think he can he can be in general very happy with the amount of goals he scored. But yeah, other than Todd, we don't have really much players who have scored as much. And also probably in a game like this. Um, like like we scored against Burnley, the opener. You need to be there from set players. Probably the defender can can get a shot away, can get a header in, and uh, be decisive then as well. It doesn't always have to be Timo. So it was uh, Alex Tetti who I wrote about um, after the game on Saturday. Uh, just purely coincidentally, I guess. But um, it was interesting talking to uh, a few people about how. Because the things that seem to come up are, oh, look at how many games he can play now and how well he's doing this season, which I think are both cases in point. Uh, although I did go through the stats and realised he probably wasn't doing quite as well as uh, maybe the Alex Tetti back in the Premier League in 2015-16. So he's, but, but he is four years older, 33 now. Yeah, it, it, it's weird one with Tetti. It's quite rare that he will come away and you think, well, he was man of the match today. But equally, he doesn't have too many bad games. He seems to have, I think he's been fairly steady over the, what is it, seven, eight seasons he's eight, been His eighth eight. year, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he, he continues to play an important role. I mean, I, I still feel, and I love Alex Tetti, but I do feel the fact that he's in the team is not necessarily good news or at least it means that that plan a has not gone the way Farker would have wanted it to and i guess we know that right because plan a being <laughs> plan a is now in, in, is it in genoa now or, or yeah. it... <laughs> leganes leganes sorry is, is that yeah. how you pronounce okay. it I, I, I did have to say it on the transfer daily podcast and then i got to where, like, where the accent is i think it was on the final e leganes yeah. uh, maybe hodgie can uh, yeah. correct us yeah, yeah. 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 we'll ask, yeah. <laughs> ask him another time he'll 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 tell us for sure um yeah I, that's kind of the point really isn't it that alex Teddy kind of saw off <laughs> Ibrahim Amadou. We will talk about the January transfer window in a, in a bit, but um, even Alex Teddy himself said that Ibrahim will be great when he comes in. He's going to be brilliant. That was what yeah. he told me in the interview I had with him. And it just didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, and Alex Teddy is the obvious beneficiary of that. I think, you know, every manager at some point who's managed Alex Teddy has probably doubted him and his role in the team and then brought him back and he's ended up playing a vital role. And I think no, no, none more so than Daniel Farker, who when he first started probably saw Alex Teddy as somebody who wouldn't fit his style of play and who is actually now, you know, two, two and a half years later, still a fulcrum of the team. I mean, he's the only one with any sort of defensive nous in midfield, I would argue. Yeah. I mean, I, I still don't really see Tom Tribal as that kind of player. I know. Yeah. It's hard to pinpoint Tribal, isn't it? I, I think when Tribal was at his best last season, he was picking the ball up. He was kind of being brave when he was in possession and trying to play through the lines. And I think he's kind of lost a bit of that this season. Um, and because I don't think he offers as good a screen in front of the back four as Teddy does, that means... You can see the sense in playing Tutti in that role. It does feel like... So when Farker came in, obviously he he left him out of the team. And then when we last went up to the Premier League under Neil, we had Malumbu in and that didn't work out. So it does feel like every time we try and start afresh with Tetti, he just ends up being dragged back in. And then because of the quality of his performances... He never gets left out. And I think his qualities are quite niche as well. Like, yeah. if you look at our other central midfield options now, certainly Amadou's gone. No one else is able to offer anything near what he offers. And I think when, when you're playing alongside someone like Kenny McLean in that midfield too, and, you know, other options in there, whether it be Tribal, Moritz Leitner, Mario Vrancic, I just think the obvious balance is having Teti and one of those players. Mm. Right? 
and that's why he's playing so much at the moment. And he knows his limitations as well on the ball, Teddy. Yeah. So he, he will keep it simple. He's not going to try anything overly dramatic. Um, but he lets Unless the, the crowd asks him to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I did pick up on that against Bournemouth, I think it was. Um, and But it's going to the point, he is using the ball much better than he was four years ago. And his, his actual quality on the ball is better. Uh, one of the things that came up, obviously, in the story is that... Uh, Alex Tetty is out of contract to the end of this season, um, but Norwich have sort of had um, a sort of opening gambits with him and saying, you know, if you want to stay, Alex, then we'd, we'd like you to stay. So we'll see how that develops, obviously, which kind of it does underline. And Christoph Zimmerman said it to me on Saturday that he is one of the most important players as they see it in the team. And I suppose what's just struck me now is not only is he Norwich City's longest serving player currently in the squad, he's therefore the only player that Norwich have signed as a Premier League club for another Premier League season. So by that default, he probably is a better quality player given what's around him because he he was signed to an established if you like Premier League club does that make sense other than closer maybe or well because Norwich featured that was already. in the January of a season oh, Norwich I being see. promoted yeah, so, yeah, yeah. If, I see. so by that reckoning and I suppose maybe some you know you could assume therefore he's a better quality player but I've only just come up with that so I don't know if that's true <laughs> but there we go reaction has been quite mixed I think to a degree maybe on social media Alex Tetty staying beyond his current contract yay or nay uh, I don't see why he wouldn't. I mean, I, I think... Would you want it, I suppose, is the question I'm asking. Yeah, I think I would. I don't know whether I would automatically start him next season, but I think he's an important part of the dressing room. I think he's pretty much here to stay, fitness permitting, until the end of this season. I don't see him being dislodged from the team. So, yes, I would keep him. Yeah, I think you've made a good point there, Steve, about what he offers off the pitch as well. Obviously, um, we know this is an inexperienced Norwich City squad. Even though Daniel Farker keeps saying after games that, oh, my young side, you know, my young side, but actually <laughs> nine of the 11 starters on Saturday were over 25. So it's not actually that young. <laughs> no, really, they're, the ni- they're the ninth oldest in the Premier yeah. League this season. On Maybe he round. means young in terms of experience. But they've got a lot of young players, I think, is probably the yeah. difference. And then you have like Krull and... Yeah. Well, so it's, it's no surprise that people like Krull and Tetti have emerged as the obvious kind of leaders in the group. That was what I was going to say, actually. And I don't want to kind of preempt what we're going to be talking about in terms of transfers later on. But if you look at the players that have actually come to the fore this season, perhaps surprisingly so, certainly Hanley and Tetti and then Tim Krull as well, who was maybe a bit castigated last season, but has been really good this season. They are the ones who've had the Premier League experience. So I don't know. Perhaps that if we could look at one thing to do with the recruitment might have been an error in that it might have been good to maybe get one more player. And and I suppose Byron being the other one who's played at Premier League level, who's come in and been our best signing. So It's true. But I suppose they're the ones who would have cost more money as well. It's, it's difficult, isn't and it? And more difficult. in wages, yeah. yeah. And and you, you have to do look, have to look at the summer and see that two of the loans have been cancelled halfway through. I mean, that they clearly weren't yeah. the right loans. Um, yeah. And there, there's always been a degree of risk that Norwich have had to undertake, but probably paying the price for it now don't worry steve that takes us nicely into the january transfer window chat uh, is there anything else any, anything else anyone wants to say about ibrahim amadou i saw a couple of pictures of his sort of signing day today one of them he looked particularly miserable <laughs> but I, I think that was just an unfortunate picture <laughs> i almost shared it on twitter and thought no i can't i can't do it it'd be a bit too mean but well i think somebody for somebody who played so few minutes for norwich city he will always have that manchester city game and his contribution in that game I feel like he probably deserved more opportunity in his favoured position of central midfield. Um, but I think you alluded to it, Michael, on a previous pod, that by the end of his time at Norwich, Daniel Farker was referring to him as a centre-back option. So he wasn't even considering him for that role, which, you know, I, I'll, I will trust Daniel Farker on this one. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it seems a shame because I remember when, when we signed Amadou, I was, I was pretty happy because I felt 
he was exactly the kind of player that we needed. Yeah, exactly. And and I think we said the same about Roberts. Um, I echo really what Ben says in that Amadou is a player who I was excited about. I think Roberts is a player I was excited about, but um, you kind of have to trust Farker on this one in that he's obviously not really liked what he's seen. So I think for whatever reason, it wasn't the right fit. I like Alex Tetti. It was kind of damning that he was playing at centre-back ahead of Ibrahim Amadou, <laughs> to be honest. And while I feel like, as you said, Ben, Ibrahim didn't, I personally feel, get a chance to have a run in defensive midfield, Patrick Roberts-wise, I'm not convinced he was good enough. And I think there's a difference there. But that's uh, just my opinion, of course. Uh, Signings-wise, Melvin City, he's on the way. He's on the way in the summer because he's spending the rest of this year back on loan at Sochaux in Ligue 2. Ligue 2. Uh, which is very exciting, obviously. Uh, he's basically Alex Tetti, but 19, if we're going to be really crudely. Um, <laughs> uh, your expert analysis. <laughs> I haven't seen him play, so I'd love to sit here and tell you all the things about how great he de- is and what he's done. But uh, not many other people have seen him play either because he's only been at Sochaux and only really broken through over this season. So this is a proper yeah. let's strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, definitely. And um, there's a good Twitter account, uh, Bethmore Yellow and Green, who s- s- has a lot of knowledge about um, these quite obscure players. So um, I'd definitely give them a follow and they said um, that he's he's an all-round midfielder likes to get forward quite athletic and he's an under 20 France international so I'll buy into that and obviously he's a headline writer's dream as well also coming in Sam McCullum who is a left back he is at Coventry he uh, will stay at Coventry as well for the rest of the season on loan but he is now a Norwich City player and he'll join up in summer so he is uh, 19 as well and um, he's had a remarkable remarkably swift journey through I don't know if we want to talk too much about that, but that really interesting signing, I think, this one. Yeah, Again, he's only just agreed. broken through really in the last 18 months. No, I I get really excited about these kind of signings now. I never really used to, but I think when you see, obviously the last lad that they've signed from Coventry didn't do too badly. Oh, and, the uh, poor, pr- he's going to have so much pressure, yeah, yeah. isn't he? Sorry, sorry, Sam. Um, <laughs> but because of the recruitment and the way that Webb's gone about it since he's come in, you look at a player like McCallum and think, well, they've obviously seen something there. And am I right in thinking that the likes of... Uh, I'm going to say Liverpool and yeah, maybe Spurs and not? Arsenal were were linked with him. I never know how much there is in that, but they will all be aware of who he is. It's yeah. just a question of how bothered they'd be about recruiting them, yes. really. But. And, and the fee wasn't inconsiderable either, was it, for this one? Three? I don't think. Yeah, yeah I, I get the impression that it, it's a, it's, a, it's, know, a million qu- it's a million quid. It's a million quid now, but I think it is quite weighted. So depending on how things go, it's always hard to sort of yeah. get the exact add odds and what have you. But as a package, it's probably going to go up to three million quid or whichever. So do you, do you guys see him as somebody that might be a, a key part of a? Well, let's let's say that they are in the championship. That we are in the championship next season. Will he be a, a first eleven player well, then? It's or? interesting. Is is what does what does this mean for Jamal? Because uh, when I think we've all in our own minds over the last few months thought about which players are going to stay, which ones are <laughs> going to go, and in my mind I thought, well, I think Jamal Lewis will stay. But now, you know, with this signing, does that sort of mean that Jamal might be moved on? Yeah, it's a good question. Relegation could well follow Jamal and Max yeah. not being at the club. And I think um, while there was obviously lots of noises about January, I think it would have only just been the start of the conversations. I know there are already Premier League clubs who like Jamal Lewis and we've said about it a few times it's it's as much about the psychology of the players you know it would be lovely to keep hold of Jamal but what sort of position is he going to be in mentally taking on the championship again when he yeah. didn't really get as he might feel if he doesn't play between now and the end of the season what position is he going to be in his head to take on the championship again you just you don't know really so no, I mean let's let's not forget that McCallum has only played 20 odd yeah. um, football league games so he might 
we might, there might be a scenario where they're both at the at the club next season. 100%, yeah. Um, just a couple of things on McCallum. I mean, I was interested to read his quotes. He, he cited our sort of style of play in his quotes as to why he joined. And I think that's interesting. And it, it shows the benefits of having a really established, I hate the word, but philosophy at your football club, a philosophy that, you know, goes beyond the manager even. And he, he knows as a young footballer, joining a club like Norwich that he is going to be introduced to a style of football that will help him develop personally as a player more the more so than in a, a more sort of um, retrograde style of football. No, so I, I just think it's really interesting that he's citing that as a reason and that's really positive for us as a football club. I also like to think Mark Robbins, who's Coventry's manager, might have had a little word in his <laughs> ear and said, um, you know, head to Norfolk's son. You'd think so, wouldn't <laughs> yeah. you? It's a great move. Yeah. It's a Norfolk what a, yeah. what a great club to come to, you see. You know, Liverpool, Liverpool, Tottenham, no. Get yourself down to Carrobe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only other name worth mentioning probably is Moritz Leitner because there was some talk about him moving on. I think Norwich would have moved him on if someone had come in, but no one did. And I'm quite glad that Moritz is around. Still think there's... Yeah. It feels like there's unfinished business. My impression with us is that we always do better when he's not playing. <laughs> We've, uh, I was looking at our record. It's not that much of a difference, actually. It's, so we take one 1.55 points per game when he doesn't play, 1.44 when he does play. So there's not that much of a discrepancy there. We've only lost four of the last 35 before this season when he hadn't played. So actually... And my issue is that he doesn't offer enough protection in that two in front, which you can get away with in the championship, but I think he's been caught out with in the Prem. I'm torn. We have so many options in that area now that you feel like something's got to give, but I wouldn't say I never want to see him again because I do like watching yeah, him. Yeah, I think he, he's one of those players who every now and then he has a game, and I think Newcastle at home very early in the season where he was just outstanding and, and ran the game. And I think he's kind of a momentum player. If he, if he has a few uh, touches early on, gets a few passes away, and he really builds into the game, and, can, and he can dominate a game. But sadly, he just doesn't do it enough. And I agree with you, Steve. Like the, His all-round sort of game isn't fit for a sort of two-man midfield in the Premier League, I don't think, which is sad. He's, he's fantastic for the odd tweet as well when he, when he does have a game like that because he just like, annihilates all sort of records in terms of passing stats. So. I, love, I love how he gets his head up and just is looking for like, yeah. that pass when he's, doing, when, when he's on, on top of his game. But... Sadly, I don't think he'll be playing much part in the miracle. Oh, the miracle. The little miracle, Ben. Don't build it up. Uh, Norwich done enough in January? Um, I mean, they haven't really done a lot. I mean, we were sat here talking about it a couple of weeks ago and I said, a defender and a striker, please. And we've ended up with uh, a couple of midfielders. Um, yeah, I mean, I, d- I don't know. I'm, 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 not, I'm not annoyed about it. I think now it's okay. I mean, after Josip Dermich's encouraging performance in the FA Cup, yeah. I feel like we're maybe now got a, a bit a bit more scope to take Timu out if he does need a rest. Talk about Tim Closer maybe returning before, well before the end of the season as well, which, you know, we'll see whether that actually transpires or not. And obviously Ben Godfrey's back for, from suspension and Zimmerman and Hanley, Hanley especially, as we mentioned earlier, playing well. So in those key areas of centre-back and striker, I feel like we're actually fine. Um, and Duda and Lucas Rupp have shown promising signs so far, yeah. I believe. Well, if uh, Josip Drummich gets on the pitch in a Premier League game, yeah. maybe he'll get a chance. But that is uh, a debate we're going to have another occasion. Um, we're just going to leave it really late, a bit like Daniel. Right, tattiest remark you've ever made on this podcast, I think. Uh, let's move on to the real reason you're all listening to the On The Ball podcast, shall we? Our now traditional slot of Scottish brogue from afar. This week, our Scottish uh, commentator and favourite sports journalist, 
Stuart Hodge has gone full content creation with his own poll and rant combination in his latest Hodge Spot. Cue So, we're going to apply a bit of science to the Hodge Spot this week. I did a poll on my Twitter account, at Hodge the Hack, asking whether Norwich City would rather stay up playing negative, boring football like Newcastle do, or go down playing a more attractive style within an ingrained philosophy like Norwich City are doing this season. And the results were 59% of people said... And there was over 100 respondents to the thing. So, not a massive sample size, but at least a half-decent one. So, nearly 60% of people saying that they would rather go down playing a good style of football within a philosophy. And what I think that shows is the hard work that Stuart Webber and Daniel Farker have done to get fans to understand what the plan is here since they came in has really borne fruit because fans are now understanding that Norwich City have a concept of who they are and how they're going to do things and how they're able to do it in a sustainable way. And the fact that we've got to that point when just a few years ago we were still having the kick the bloody ball forward, don't pass it back, is, I would say, progress. Now, that said, that was a very, very frustrating game against Newcastle. And once more... I just have to implore Daniel Farker to deploy substitutes earlier. The fact that we saw Mario Vrancic as late as we did was, I think, really poor. And a few people have criticised the boss's game management, which is maybe not the right sort of take on it, I don't think. I think last season, deploying substitutes late really worked for Norwich City, but it's clear that the fitness advantage that we had last year, we don't have in the Premier League this season. So I think the boss really needs to start deploying his substitutes a bit earlier because they're not going to get as much of the ball, they're not going to get the same amount of chances in the opposing third as they would have done towards the end of games last season. So in order for them to play themselves into a bit of rhythm, then I think it's important to get those players on earlier. So the table, yeah, I don't know how much you really want to look at the table now. We, we know it's a lot of points, two wins and everyone else loses and maybe we can all start looking a bit more optimistically at it. Percentage chances of staying up now, Steve, because we had that conversation a few weeks ago. Uh, I'm down to a Dan O'Hagan 5%. Okay, you're on 5%. Yeah. Ben? 4 Four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, that's reasonable. Um, who will finish in the bottom three? Anyone want to predict that? Well, I, I think I think West Ham have got relegation written all over them now. I don't know. I just think every, everything that's swirling around that club at the moment, they obviously dropped into the bottom three at the weekend. But it's so hard to tell, isn't it? Because of that sort of bottom six, no one is now kind of consistent enough to sort of pull themselves closer to that group of teams above them. So, yeah, you think one week, you know, Brighton, all oh, they're slipping away and then they come back and get a three all against West Ham so yeah it's, it's so difficult I'm going to say West Ham uh, <laughs> just looking at the table now Aston Villa and Norwich I think Watford will get out of it do you think Watford will get out of it it's really I mean maybe they have had that I mean they've I, thrown I, I, away I have, two winning have. positions haven't they actually? yeah, yeah. Three, uh, obviously two goals and then and Villa before that um, I agree I think West Ham are in massive trouble yeah. got a horrible fixture list yeah. run coming up 
Bournemouth looks hard as well. I and Villas as well. I, I mean. I'd change every single week, but I think I'd just about agree with you, West Ham and Villa. I think Villa are one Grealish injury away from being in trouble, but then most teams probably are one yeah. injury away from not good We're for claret and blue shirt manufacturers. No, no although Burnley have had another. Yeah, <laughs> good old Burnley. Um, okay, well, uh, next up for Norwich is a break. In fact, because they've got the first winter break. It's not a winter break, is it? It's like one weekend. <laughs> There's off. still football next weekend. Uh, yeah, um, basically. So they've split the fixtures up in half so half the fixtures are taking place this coming weekend the other half the next weekend and obviously everyone gets one of those two weekends off um, which is brilliant uh, Liverpool have made the most of that they're going to bin off their FA Cup replay and so their official next um, proper first team game with first team players <laughs> um, will be at Carroll Road they are currently 42 games unbeaten I think it is and only Arsenal of 49 as Arsenal I think wasn't it yeah that's right 100 points from 102 available apparently so <laughs> and Steve thinks again lose to Norwich <laughs> well that was going to be my question I've, I've been misquoted <laughs> what what did you say well I, I, I maybe I've just been brainwashed by the Man City game I think we might give them a decent game I don't know what makes me think that maybe it's this run of performances where we haven't got quite what we've deserved but I, I don't know just a sneaking suspicion that they we might get a point. I actually, I actually agree with you, Steve. Having harshly introduced you there, um, <laughs> for no sort of sound logic, I think there might be a slight chance that we might not get thrashed. <laughs> okay, well that, that's that's, that's quite a dilution of that the situation. Um, but I quite like that because I, I had written here: is it actually ridiculous to think this is a game Norwich can win? <laughs> but well, bearing in mind, not, no one's it? beaten them this year. Just to say that again, no, it, only one team has drawn with them. And that was Manchester United, who were soundly beaten the last time. They've had had so many tight wins, haven't they? Like goals in the last 10 minutes. I'm not saying they don't deserve to be where they are, but they're not annihilating teams. They have just come off a 4-0 win. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, This is is straw clutching it very worse. I love it. No, what encourages me, though, is the fact that it sounds ridiculous when we've only won four league matches all season. But from my memory, there's only been three games where we've been truly... Outplayed, and I don't include the opening game of the season against Liverpool in that because actually, despite the harsh nature of the scoreline at half time, we actually gave a very good account of ourselves in that match. So, yeah, I think it will probably be a positive performance from Norwich, but a defeat is my kind of ultimate prediction here. The, the, the other thing I think is that the Man City game is the only game I can think of this season when we've really camped in our own half, if you like, and just said, all right, come at us. We're going to play with a solid four, two in front, and we're going to try and hit you on the counter. I can't think we've ever done that in any other game. I'm kind of a bit frustrated that we haven't tried it more often. Obviously, it's not as aesthetically pleasing, um, but I wonder if they might adopt something similar to that where they for the first 20 minutes half an hour say okay we're just going to sit in see what you know try your best and we'll try and hit you on the counter we're not going to aim to necessarily score at this point we're just going to keep ourselves in the game and what about a back three to combat with with Godfrey coming back Godfrey's back isn't he he's back from suspension yeah Yeah, Yeah. so you know to combat Liverpool's front three and then you can bring in two defensive wing backs to combat the full backs I'd love to see that it's (laughs) really interesting because there was something in the back of my mind that always thought Daniel would have liked to have played a back three against Manchester City, but mm. couldn't because of the issues with the injuries, which is the main sort of narrative ahead of that yeah. game. So not only did they beat Man City, they did it with a makeshift 11, <laughs> which is just 
uh, fairly ridiculous. But I mean, I, Liverpool. Do, I don't know. I don't really know what they can, what their defensive record is like. But they, they do concede space at the back. I guess the problem is they also fit that they they soon absorb the space when you think you've got it. Yeah, uh, they they definitely. Con- I mean, they conceded chances against West Ham and Southampton. Although they didn't concede in either, they were a bit fortunate from what I've seen. And the same against Wolves as well. It's really like looking desperately for chinks in the armor, but it's they, not impossible. And they haven't got Luis Suarez. No, <laughs> that's a good point. So should be fine, really. Yeah, I'm mean, not scared of Mo I mean, Salah. They're quite thin in attacking areas. Exactly. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've got no real. Oh, Sadio Mane's injured, isn't he? He's already going to be back. Probably he's going to be back, isn't he? Yeah, two weeks. Be well, he'll be well rested. Yeah. From the, you know, he's not going to get an FA Cup outing, is he? So yeah. unless he stayed behind just to get some minutes. Uh, I, I have put here to ask for a prediction. I don't normally I want to ask predictions, but I've kind of felt the need to this time. Right, so having talked off our chances, this is a money, money yeah, way mouth is. Imagine the glory, the, the, the little miracle. All right, then. 1-1. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Ben? 1-3. Um, We're going to score. 1-3. Brilliant. So yeah. after spending so, sounding so optimistic for about 10 minutes... We might get a point. I don't don't have to make a prediction because I'm the host, so that's fine. Uh, Remember, uh, if you subscribe to The Athletic, then make sure you log on to the website and app two hours after every Norwich City kickoff to discuss all the key topics from the match action. And that includes Norwich's visit from Liverpool on Saturday week. It's a 5.30 kickoff, by the way. Uh, And as I said at the top of the pod, you can also listen to these podcasts ad-free when you subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, But that is it for On The Ball this week. Uh, This podcast is freely available on your podcast player of choice so please spread the word if you would like to get in touch with us just sling me a tweet or a direct message on twitter at michael j bailey uh, and in the meantime a big thank you to steve thank you very much thank you michael off to dubai on my winter break now what <laughs> are you I was, well no not really oh that was that was a liverpool gag i'm sorry you're not going to dubai that would have been lovely oh no that's that's much too luxurious <laughs> well have a dearham maybe have a, have a nice week in dearham <laughs> ben are you off anywhere uh no apart from home after this recording fair enough that's as far as i'll go well enjoy it obviously don't leave and for another week or two uh Thanks so much, guys. Uh, Thanks to Hodgie. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. We'll be back next week with a special Sam Byram edition of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. Until then, never mind the danger. (laughs) 